0: What is up, everyone? Welcome once again to the Golden Edge Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you're listening, that means you very possibly listened to our first one and you liked it, so you're coming back for more. So we appreciate it. If it's your first time, thanks for stopping in. I wonder why. Th- I wonder if there's big news that brought people uh, to our podcast going on.
1: Did anything happen over Labor Day weekend, Adam? I don't, I don't think
0: so. I don't yeah. think so. It's kind of the last weekend before everything gets going, before the rookies come in, and then you know training camp gets, gets into full swing. So Really quiet weekend, right? I think nothing went
1: on. So, you know what? Actually, we can just probably end this podcast. Yeah, right no, not much to talk about. You know, it's rookie camp. It can be short. We'll make this short and sweet. All
0: right, thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you. Oh, <laughs> wait. I just saw a headline. I guess we better get into this. Uh, yeah, the Nate Schmidt situation. Uh, it is, you know, the big talk right now, obviously, with nothing else going on. We're, we're kind of waiting for everybody to, to report and come in. So uh, a lot of talk about what is going on with Nate Schmidt. So let's try to get to the bottom of exactly what is happening uh, and figure out what it means to the team. And more importantly, I guess, you know, how they're going to go forward without Nate Schmidt because the bottom line is it's it's done. It's not, you know, there's no appeal. There's nothing going forward. All that stuff's already happened. So I, I think there was an initial thought that people saw, oh, 20-game tw- suspension for BD. Well, maybe he's going to appeal it. Maybe he's going to go through another process. Maybe it'll get reduced. Like, no, the process is done. That's how things work. So uh, let's just kind of get into the nuts and bolts of things, and then uh, move on from there to what it all means uh, going forward. So I guess just kind of give the the bullet points of, hey, 20-game suspension, PED, we don't know a whole lot of answers yet, but we do know at least the basics that he has done.
1: Yeah, for sure. We should start out, I'm Ben Goetz, he's Adam (laughs) Hill. We no, are we don't need to, we don't part need of to the Review Journal either. Golden Knights coverage team. Uh, subscribe to our paper, please. Hashtag shameless plug. Um, Nate Schmidt. <laughs> Good, job. Good job. Thank you. Impressive. I'm a company man. Uh, Nate Schmidt, 20-game uh, suspension for violating the uh, Performance Enhancing Substances Program. We don't know exactly at this time what he was suspended for necessarily, like what substance was apparently allegedly in his body, when he got tested for this, when his uh, hearing was, his appeal was, But he did appeal to an independent arbitrator, so an independent judge, and was denied. So the judge said the suspension will be upheld, will go into place. Uh, He will be at camp still under the terms of his suspension, but he can't play in the preseason games. And, of course, he can't play in any regular season games until the suspension is over, which would uh, come into effect. Uh, November 18th against Edmonton is when he can come
0: back. That becomes a crazy road trip, by the way. So at Edmonton, Nate Schmidt can come back. At Calgary against James Neal, uh, the next you know the next game. So a very eventful road trip that that becomes a road swing through Canada. And just to, to hit on you know what you're saying there, you know when we say we don't know what the substance is, we don't know when the test was, we don't know when this all happened. When did he find out? When did the appeal happen? Hopefully we'll get more answers from him. But that's all very carefully orchestrated under the collective bargaining agreement. This is how the hockey system works. All of that stuff is kept quiet intentionally. It's done behind the scenes. They have the appeal process. You can ask for the B sample to be tested, which I'm uh, positive happened. And then you go through the appeal, and then you go to you know to the through the arbitration. Like all that stuff is spelled out, and then nothing becomes public unless you know. Usually, it'd be you know somebody on you know, either from the league office leaks it to someone, but that generally doesn't happen in hockey. The player side could leak something that usually doesn't happen either because nobody really wants anybody to know that's going on. So you really don't find out. Until everything is done, and that's what we uh, came. You know, that's what's what happened this weekend, where you know everybody kind of gets this news, and it's out of nowhere mm-hmm. that, that this happens with Nate Schmidt. Um, as you were kind of mentioning, the the 20 games he's back November 18th against Edmonton, almost 400 thousand dollars in salary. That hurts.
1: Yeah, about 482 thousand dollars he's going to lose in salary because of the suspension. That's uh, a lot of gambling money that's uh, going down the drain here in uh, Las Vegas. That is some big change. And I think uh, part of the, that's part of the reason why Schmidt came out pretty strong against this suspension in a statement he released after it came out. And this is one of the more aggressive responses I think I've seen to any sort of uh, performance-enhancing substance uh, situation. Normally, like when this happens in baseball, you get kind of a boilerplate denial by a player, which is really a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. I did it, but I have to tell people I didn't do it to save face. Schmidt came out stronger than usual. Um, In part of his statement, he said, This low amount that I was tested for was consistent with environmental contamination that I could not have possibly prevented. One of the experts in environmental contamination who testified on my behalf at the appeal hearing described the amount of the substance found in my system Seven billionths of a mil- milligram as the equivalent of a pinch of salt in an Olympic swimming pool. Another expert analyzed a sample of my hair, concluded there was no evidence of intentional use. And at kind of toward the end of his statement, uh, it is difficult to accept the suspension. I understand that I will miss these games, but I do not agree with the suspension and I will not accept being labeled a cheater. Uh, it's like this is. Pretty strong stuff, uh, Adam. What was your initial reaction when you saw what Schmidt said?
0: Yeah, it, it is a it's a different kind of a statement that you'd usually get from a player, as you mentioned in this situation. Um, but again, I you know that's his side, and just so just so everybody's clear, and we we talked about this, but I want to make it clear again: he had a day in front of an arbitrator. He presented his case. These things were brought up to the arbitrator. The arbitrator ruled that the suspension would stand. Now. You listen to his side, I'm sure a lot of people did, and you say, "Oh, makes total sense." Okay, I'm, then I'm sure he's not going to get suspended. But both sides presented their cases, and the, the, the suspension held. Now, does that mean that he was cheating? No, no, uh, nobody knows. And by the way, if you've made up your if you've made up your mind on this case, and you're like, he wasn't cheating, clearly not. You're 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 being disingenuous because you don't know. And if you've made up your mind that you know that he was cheating and he absolutely is guilty you're wrong too like you you just don't know that's you know the the process is not transparent by nature it's closed they don't want people to find out and that's for the protection of the player side for sure it's also for the protection of the league and and their policy they don't want people you know to really know all the details of what's going on it's to protect both sides but you you really can't make a determination of what you think about what's going on here because you don't know. like, you just don't. The, the only people that really know are his, he knows the best because he's him and he knows what he's, in, what he's taken or what he hasn't um, his, his, his side, his people know because they presented the case. The league knows a lot more because they were there. The arbitrator has heard both sides. Those people have heard both sides. All we know is statements from the team statements from Nate and knowing Nate. And I think a lot of people just want to believe him because he's a really good dude and you know he's he's the you know the, this this great personality and a guy that you just trust and you don't think that he did it and i think it's natural for us to right away say no way he didn't do it there's no way like his statement adds up his statement it makes sense we know him he didn't do it and i think that's very natural of fans and very natural of people that have covered the team to kind of take his side and i think immediately it was like oh yeah that makes sense but you you do have to understand these sides were both presented to an arbitrator, and the arbitrator ruled against him. So there was something there that wasn't, you know, it, his statement didn't, you know, withstand that arbitrator's ruling, and that I think that process is probably very biased against the players. But again, we don't know, so you yeah, can't that's make the up biggest issue.
1: Mind. Yeah, we just don't have enough information. Um, but like I said, yeah, we did say he came out pretty strong. His agent also backed him up in a statement, and the Golden Knights actually issued a statement backing him up, which I also found very interesting. Um, the Golden Knight said, quote, "...we strongly disagree with the suspension. We firmly believe that the presence of a trace of the banned substance was accidental and unintentional. Based on our conversations with Nate, analysis from independent medical experts, and sworn testimony from the parties involved, we believe it is clear Nate was not able to reasonably ascertain how the substance entered his body. Nate is an honest person with high moral character and great integrity." We will stand by him and support him during this time. So just like I said, it was very interesting to me that Nate came out as strong as he did against the suspension. The fact that the Golden Knights took the extra step of issuing a statement on his behalf, I also thought was interesting because I don't see it that often with you know, suspensions of this nature. Yep. Just as I said, the player will issue kind of a boilerplate denial because they kind of know that they really did it. And the team will just kind of let it go because they know what happened. Here, the team is basically... Saying the NHL and NHL players association is wrong, which I think is interesting that they're willing to stick up for Schmidt and pick that fight
0: and and again, I think because everyone knows Schmidt because the team knows him because the team does know a lot more of the situation than than we do, they're willing to go out on the limb for him and and as you said, it doesn't happen very often, but that's i mean that does say a lot that the team is speaking out for him um but again, it's the band substance and and this this stuff is again, negotiated into the, into the agreement. It's negotiated into the drug testing policy that people just don't talk about what it was. And you don't hear a lot of suspensions because the testing program is basically a joke on its, on its surface. The, they test so, so infrequently, they don't really, uh, they're not really transparent at all about who they're testing, when they're testing, even in this case with a positive test that's been, um, you know, adjudicated. We don't know what the substance was. We don't know when they tested him. We don't know you know, how this all came about. We don't We don't know anything about uh, the protocols, even after a positive test, even after it's already been, you know, it, the hearings already happened. You would think you would get that information at that point. You don't. So it's very tough to make determinations on that next level of, of what actually is true. But it does say a lot that the team was willing to to speak out and, and be there and be so supportive of him, which also kind of brings up the other thing from his statement, which is something that we, you know, we didn't read that part of it, but the or the fact that people have talked about this a lot i've only taken supplements that the team provided, and so I saw there were some people that came out and said, well he's accusing the team of giving him something that wasn't uh that wasn't allowed i didn't read it that way
1: no I didn't either
0: so um, I read it as hey i've taken only the things that the team provides so I- it clearly didn't come from any of, any of the supplements because it's only from the team. It had to have come from some outside factor. But there, there's a lot of people talking about that you know, that phrase, that he's only taken it from the team. I don't look at that as an accusation really at all that something nefarious came from those team-provided supplements.
1: So, I yeah, how I read it is he used the word environmental contamination in right. there, which basically means he's – Kind of part of his argument is I encountered this substance in nature. Basically, it entered my body kind of without my knowledge, which is why it's like in such a trace amount. So basically, he's arguing I accidentally got this into my system by right. just being out in the environment. Came in
0: contact with something or you know, some food product or some, some other way because that trace amount of something to enter your body, he's just saying it didn't, it didn't come from anything. It came from some chance encounter with the substance, which, again,
1: would make more sense if we knew what the substance was. Right. And one of the, the questions I have after that, if, if he's arguing for environmental contamination, why is it showing up for him if it's random chance and not anyone else? Because we haven't mentioned this, but he is the first person to be suspended by the NHL in about two years. The last time we had a suspension for performance-enhancing substances was 2016, and there's only been six that have been suspended since 2005. So this is a rare Situation, at least in the NHL. So, if this is happening to him by random chance, I have a lot of questions of, well, why isn't it happening to other guys of random chance? Well, my, what is he doing differently? My answer
0: would be because they don't test anyone. Right. They very, they so very rarely test uh, that it just it doesn't show up. And again, you know, we're kind of going back to the same things. But when, you know, we need to know a lot more details, and we won't necessarily know unless he wants to put it out there. It's it's to remain private under the terms of the agreement. So unless he wants to talk about it and say exactly what it was when the test happened and those sorts of things, we're really not going to find out a whole lot more about the situation. And you know, it's all, it it is all done. It's 20 games. There's no more appealing. There's no more, Hey, maybe somebody, maybe these arguments are going to convince somebody. No, it's over. He's going to miss the 20 games. So that leads us to what does that mean to the team to get through here? And there there's, there's options. Certainly. Of things they can do, there's there's guys that they have available that can play bigger roles. There's guys that were on the team last year that will play more minutes. It also opens the door to maybe they go outside the organization and maybe try to make things happen. And a, a you know another factor in all this, Shea Theodore is still not signed, right? Yeah. So that that certainly I would think gives him some leverage mm-hmm. to say, oh yeah, by the way, do you want you want me sitting out too when? You know, you've already gotten Schmidt out for the first twenty games. You want to be down to your top defenseman. Maybe that gives him more leverage, and then maybe it also opens the door to
1: going out and making the Eric Carlson trade happen. Right. So, what do you think is the next step for them? Well, I think they open camp September thirteenth. Sorry, I got Marbles' in my out there. Um, and I think Sorry, that they're going to have to, yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> Audio mediums are fun. Um, they're going to have to do something, whether it is going to Shea Theater, and I think part of the leverage for them now is they've had kind of the first, you know, off-ice, you know, I don't know, know if scandal is a strong of word, but, you know, off-ice uh, occurrence that kind of is not uh, painting them in so good of a light. So maybe they come to Shea Theodore and like, hey, we'll give you what you want, just so it get, you know, gives us a positive headline of, hey, we're bringing Shea Theodore back. Everyone loves Teddy. Um, and with the Eric Carlson trade, I will be interested if they – kind of it motivates them to get that deal done now or at least make the phone call to the Senators again because now they're down their top defensemen. Hey, we need a first-pairing uh, kind of guy, a guy who can play 20-plus minutes for us a night. And you're not going to find that, obviously, on the street at this time of year unless you want to elevate one of your second-pair guys up a level. But it's possible that, yeah, their solution is uh, in Canada right now.
0: Yeah, I I still feel that Theodore's contract situation being unresolved and Eric Carlson still being available are related. I, I think that there's a correlation there between those those facts that maybe some of the holdup in getting the deal done with Shea Theodore is that he is a major part of that potential trade. Now, you know, does this change anything in that regard? I don't know. I don't know if you want to... You know, I don't know the team's thinking in terms of do you make a big splash and bring somebody new in, you know, to help out here, or is it like, hey, let's let's just batten down the hatches with what we have and just figure out, you know, how to you know cover for this hole for the first twenty games of the season uh, with what we already have in house. Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting to find out if they do make a stronger push now to bring in, uh, you know, a superstar defender like Carlson when they you know have their top guy uh, in terms of. Um, you know all the packages that he that he's part of and and uh, all the minutes that he plays uh, out for those first twenty games. So I, I think how they choose to handle this um, is going to be very interesting. I think that's uh, a big story coming out coming out of this. What do the Golden Knights do uh, with their defense and with Shea Theodore and the potential of bringing in Eric Carlson? Those are things to monitor uh, over the next couple of days as we get ready for training camp and even weeks because it, there's no artificial deadline of. Hey, some deal has to be done by training camp. There's just not. I mean, it's it's a major milestone to mark, but it's not like if it's not done here, then it can't happen. These things can all still happen. It's a fluid situation, so we'll uh, kind of find out what they do. And I think that's very intriguing. And, and I do. I think your point was really interesting too. It was a magical season last year, and absolutely, there was really no there was no setbacks, no negativity. I mean, there were some, you know. Some, some silly things maybe that were, you know, kind of uh, talked about early on, uh, you know, some, you know some, some different situations, but nothing was ever negative. There was never a big negative headline. And now you start year two off with a negative headline. How, you know, how do the fans react to that? And I think mostly fans have said, well, it's a witch hunt against Nate Schmidt. I think they've pretty much decided on that, uh, which, again, you have no idea. Uh and, and then you know the, the other thing is, you know, how does the how does the national media kind of handle this darling of the NHL and everything that great that everything great that happened now starting year two off uh with a negative headline that's yeah. you know kind of lasted a couple of days here. So
1: And how does the team handle that? Because they haven't yeah. had to answer kind of tougher or more uncomfortable questions like this, you know, we're gonna have to go into that locker room and ask, you know, guys like you know, say a Colin Miller and say, like, hey, what do you think of the suspension? What do you think of potentially getting more minutes on the ice? And those aren't the kind of things that they had to address before. And, you know, to that point, Schmidt was part of that magical season. He set career highs in goals, assists, points, game plays, games played. This is a guy who was undrafted in 2012, uh, turned into a really solid defender for the Capitals, and then had a really nice breakout season for the Golden Knights, and now that's going to go away for at least 20 games. And so it'll be really interesting to see how that all gets handled. Yeah. And, uh,
0: you know, we will, we'll have that all for you up at, uh, the review journal and, uh, here on the golden edge podcast as well. Uh, kind of the reaction because players are going to be coming in over the next few days. Uh, they're, they're all going to be asked about it. There's no question about that. So, uh, how do they respond? I'm sure the team is kind of going over messaging with everybody and what you should, should and shouldn't say, uh, to these questions, but we will, uh, We'll certainly find out their response to a lot of this, and I expect the team to be in overwhelming support of Nate Schmidt, uh, it, it, at least publicly. I mean, I'm I'm sure they are privately too, but I, I don't expect to hear anything, in even in the least bit negative about Nate Schmidt from anybody else on the team. He's he's still he's one of the more beloved figures, certainly in the locker room among fans. You know that that is why this story is a. I think resonating even more uh, that it's just you know it's Nate Schmidt, the guy that nobody thought that would happen to, and nobody thought uh, anything negative would come out about. So uh, interesting to monitor that as the guys come in over the next few days. And the reason guys are coming in is training camp is starting, rookie camp first uh, with this you know rookie uh, tournament that we're going to see with some teams coming in, bringing their younger players, and really getting them some experience on the ice and uh, some you know the chance to compete at this point of the season just before training camp starts. So. Uh excited about the rookies coming in, Ben?
1: I actually am because the Golden Knights, as people know, had a lot of draft picks at their disposal these first two years because of all the expansion draft deals that they did to pick up extra picks. So they had three first-round picks their first year. They're all three going to be here in rookie camp competing. And then I actually really like what they did is they basically have a bunch of the West Coast teams in for a tournament between all these rookies called the Vegas Rookie Faceoff. It's going to have the Coyotes, the Sharks, the Kings, the Avalanche, and the Ducks. And so I think this is a really smart idea for instead of just having your rookies go through on-ice drills, you get them some games against other you know, prospects, and you get fans a chance to kind of see what the future could be.
0: Yeah, and you, know, you know, people know, you know some of the names like Cody Glass and Nick Suzuki, and they, they want to see those guys. I, I don't know how much you're going to be able to tell uh like as far as where they are in their development I'm sure there's gonna be guys that stand out um but you know it it is gonna be tough to measure them just against other guys that are you know that are still young and still developing uh you kind of want to see how those guys are able to play uh against the more established guys later on but this is a good measuring stick for just where they are in their development I you know I don't think if a guy goes out and dominates it's a sure sign that oh they're gonna make the team uh but at least you can see like Okay, I like where they are. You know, after a year, you know, kind of in the Golden Knights system, kind of working their way up, and and I think that'll be fascinating to watch and kind of how they're able to compete against other teams. I think that you know you can always tell more from competition than you can just from you know getting the guys out on the ice and practicing. So that I think will certainly be uh, be fun for the fans to see uh, some of these names and, and how they are able to compete against other guys on their level.
1: Yeah, I think you'll see the skill. I think that's what really shines through in these competitions. Now do we know if these guys are physically ready for the NHL yet when you're playing against, you know, grown men who have been in the weight room their entire lives? Yeah, it's harder to tell cuz you're going up against other young guys who still maybe need to fill out a little bit. But I think you can really see some flashes of why the Golden Knights will think so highly of these guys and why these other teams are high on their young talent and yeah, I think this is a good format to showcase it.
0: I'm I'm interested to see the uh how how crazy the fans are too. Cause I do think there's going to be a lot of people out there and I think they will be kind of ruckus. And I think it'll be kind of weird for some of these guys to be like, wait, I, th- I just thought we were out here to kind of scrimmage a little bit. Like what is going on here? These people are crazy. I think that that could be a part of, uh, of this, of this as well. uh When we get out there for the next uh, few days and we'll give you a full report of what we see out there uh next time when we join you uh, on the golden edge podcast and, let you know who played well, who didn't, uh, maybe live up to expectations, and who you can see very soon uh, on the actual Golden Knights roster and uh, on real on real game days uh, at the NHL level. So uh, make sure you're with us at reviewjournal.com. Follow on Twitter as well. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, at Ben S. Goats on Twitter.
0: I always forget the S in there, so I was, I, I wanted to make sure subtle. that it was your subtle. Uh, yes, and the at Adam Hill LVRJ uh, Dave Shane as well, and uh, maybe we'll get him in to join us after the. Uh, some, some developments at rookie camp and training camp and uh, get him in next time uh, to talk about what he sees as well out there and maybe even some more special guests as we continue with you on this journey of year two with the Golden Knights the Golden Edge podcast we really appreciate you guys hanging out and joining us for a few minutes uh, we are excited for, start, for the start of the season but more importantly training camp I guess the season's more important, but more pressing. More pressing is training camp, starting in this rookie, uh, rookie development camp as well. So we'll be out there, and I uh, hope you guys join us at ReviewJournal.com and here on the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon.